0: We all have a story to tell, a journey that we're still living. And I believe our greatest chance to purpose is the moment we have right now. What if the biggest lie we've believed is that we need something entirely new to get there? We told ourselves we need to do something new, be something new, believe something new. We tell ourselves we need new people, more resources. But what if all we need to do is sit down and rethink vision, take the vision we already have and refine it, refocus it. So this is our chance, not only to retell the story, but to rewrite the future. This is our revision. So throughout the years of ministry, uh, we have so many people that come and are interested to know how the Dwelling Place Church come about, and when did my desire to be a pastor, when was it born? I wish I could say that I had this awesome story about being, you know, 15 years old and I saw a pastor or a preacher, and I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do when I grew up, but that's not my story at all. I actually was just raised in a Christian home by my mom and my dad, who raised me and my two sisters. I have an older sister, Sarai, and a younger sister named Deborah. And my mom was a believer, of course, and she was the kind of mom that took us to church every Sunday. And she was also the mom that, you know, did in-home Bible studies. And as a kid, you know, in all honesty, I was not the kid that enjoyed really going to church. And I definitely didn't like all the Bible studies uh, that she was doing. But my mom was faithful to that. My mom was faithful to bringing us to church. My mom was faithful to, you know, being in the home and and knowing that the Word of God was important in our lives. So me and my sisters, uh, that's what we grew up in.
1: Usually my husband is asked about him becoming a pastor, but the question people ask me is how did we both meet? But before I share that story, I would like to tell you a little bit about my life. I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1975. And I was still an infant when my parents decided that things were not gonna work out between them. So they decided to divorce. Shortly after my mom met this young man and decided to enter into a serious relationship with him, eventually she moved to Puerto Rico and she left me with her parents back in Brooklyn. They raised me. And once my mom was settled back in Puerto Rico, she sent for me. I was then four years old. Um, Jumping 10 years later, when I was 14, I was already expecting my first child. And at 15, I ended up marrying uh, my child's father. By the time I was 17 now, I was expecting my second child, uh, Daniel and I already had graduated high school. Um, I had him, and when he was eight months, about eight months old, his father and I decided things were not gonna work out between us, so we separated. After that, I continued my studies as a certified operating room technician. I graduated. And then when my daughter, Tanya and Daniel were five and three respectively, I entered the medical field and I worked there for a little bit. But it was then when I started developing other relationships and I was now a very independent person who was a single mom who had no, no one to give me any rules of what I should do or shouldn't do. And it was then when I was introduced to the club settings and the consuming of lots of alcohol. But I noticed that that wasn't the life that I wanted. And in my heart, although I knew about God, I heard who God was, I did not have that relationship, but I yearned it so, so bad. And. I made a decision that in order for me to change my life, I needed to change the environment, the atmosphere, everything around me needed to be changed. And that's when I made a decision that I needed to leave Puerto Rico.
0: Ironically, my sisters and I were raised in a Pentecostal Spanish-speaking church, but we did not speak a word of Spanish nor understand it. When I was seven years old, my mom came to the conclusion that it was best for us to try out some American English speaking churches because she really felt that it was we were at the age where we really should be learning uh, from the Word of God. Uh, for several years uh, we tried different churches of all sizes, all kinds. And one day my mom had this dream that was really concerning to her, that was about the spirituality of our family. She spoke to my grandfather and her brother, and after them speaking, my, my uncle felt to tell her that we needed to go back to the church that we had left, the Spanish-speaking church. It was nine years later, uh, and that's what we ended up doing.
1: By the age of 23 now I was firm in my decision that I wanted to change my life around. By then I was already developing a really strong relationship with my father and him and his wife agreed in helping me throughout my transition out of the island to Brooklyn. They supported me during that time. I was reintroduced to his family. And my uncle's wife was very excited about inviting me to her church. Her father was the senior pastor of that church. It was um, Brooklyn Christian Temple, Templo Cristiano de Brooklyn. Well, in 1999, in January, I decided after five months about she had invited me prior to that, I decided to visit the church And it was there where I found Christ, and I gave my life to Him, and it's been already almost 20 years since then.
0: So now I'm 16, nine years later, it's 1999, that's even crazy saying that year, but it's 1999, and we're back at the Spanish church, Brooklyn Christian Temple. So my mom decides to, to take us uh, on a youth service first. And amazingly enough, the youth service was done in English. A lot of people at the church were really excited you know, for us to be back uh, the last time they saw me, my sisters, we were young and now we're teenagers. And after us getting reintroduced into the church and coming for a little bit, uh, the pastor, senior pastor of the church, Eugenio Vega, decides to turn the entire church services bilingual for us and for others. So this is how we end up um, at the same church together. You know, looking back now, it's like, I can truly see how God was just arranging our lives to kind of cross paths at the right time. And so now is in the church and pursued to change her life and uh, God has just, you know, arranged in an amazing way for me and my sisters and my family to be back at the church, too. Now, we didn't get to the church alone, meaning, like, it wasn't just me and I, my sisters. But one of my mom's passion, besides, you know, growing us in the Word of God, was my mom had a passion for, for young people, for teenagers, young teens. Mm-hmm. And so what she would do with, you know, Just kids on the block, you know, uh, in our neighborhood, in the community. She would introduce them to Jesus Christ by these in-home Bible studies. And one of those persons that she introduced to Christ was was Michael, Michael Figueroa. And so Michael's been my best friend for a very long time. Very long time. Very long time. (laughs) And he actually uh, ended up dating my sister, Sarai. And so, Michael and Sarai have been together for a very long time, yes. and so Michael is with us now. Michael is with me and my sisters in this church, and we get plugged into the, to the youth ministry.
2: I was around 13 years old when I met Ezekiel and his family. Uh, my my godbrother, Joey, they were classmates, and he had to go over to the street where he lived to, to do something. I think it had to do with school. So we ended up going over there and uh, met Ezekiel. Cool kid, a little, little different from what I was used to. But uh, he was really cool, so we, we connected. And then I met his sister, Sarai, and his mom. And it turned out his mom was um, big on reaching out to neighborhood teenagers with the gospel. So she invited us to Bible study, and I wasn't really into God or church or anything like that, but uh, a few of my friends were going, so I decided to attend. And uh, we did that a few times, and that's how our, my friendship started to grow with Ezekiel, and that's how I got close with Sarai, and we, started to, uh, we became boyfriend and girlfriend eventually, and also that's how my relationship with Christ began.
1: I was very blessed because after I gave my life to Christ, I entered into a relationship with a young woman. Her name is Yvette. She was a phenomenal uh, individual who took care of me in many ways. She made sure that she called me. She made sure that that she prayed for me. She made sure that she was there for me in every aspect of my life. Um, so she quickly became the spiritual mother that I needed, especially during those first steps of being a Christian. Um, but then uh, really by that at the same time when I came back, to, I mean, when I went to church and gave my life to Christ, uh, Celia and her children had came back to the church. So while I'm having this relationship with this young lady, Uh, I also started building up a friendship with Celia and her children. Before the year ended, uh, 1999, before that year ended, um, Yvette had to relocate out of the state of New York. Um, I became a little bit concerned because, of course, you, you feel you have this spiritual mother and now you are left without one but God was so faithful throughout that transition as well because now I was in relationship with Celia and her children and it was again almost immediately that Celia became this new spiritual mom for me and not only for me but also for my children So now there was a new dynamic where I was not only being catered spiritually, but now my children are being catered spiritually together with other young people. Uh, Celia taught me how to pray. She taught me how to fast. And I did not do this by myself. I also brought my kids to church every other Sunday. We were there at six o'clock in the morning, praying, fasting. Uh, with my then, um, I believe Tanya was eight and Daniel was six, if I am not mistaken. And it was just an amazing uh, experience because quickly, right after that, I, be, I, I uh, saw the fruit of me serving the Lord and His blessings. I have been blessed from the very beginning, but he then allowed me to experience his love. It was absolutely overwhelming that there were certain things that I was still struggling, but he overwhelmed me so much with his love that I personally had to make a, de- a decision to say, I need to change my life around because I love God that much. And I I truly appreciate um I truly appreciate the fact that he didn't abandon me in this um, in this journey, but he provided that person that I and my children needed uh, right after Yvette had to relocate.
0: So now we're in the church together. And simultaneously, we're both growing in our relationships with God. Uh, my mom becomes her spiritual mother uh, for her, her kids, and of course. My mom was my spiritual mother too, and so we have that that help from my mom, and then I'm in the youth ministry as well, and begin to grow through the the work of the youth ministry. And so, of course, uh, I'm a young man, and I see this (laughs) (laughs) amazing young mom with two children, and I think myself and (laughs) and every other guy there thought she was beautiful hot lady with children uh and we grow in relationship to with each other because my mom is her spiritual mom even at one point my mom asked if she could kind of help me and my sisters with some spanish because the church was bilingual and so at one point she even becomes our spanish teacher i wasn't the best student i don't think i passed every test from her (laughs) but uh one day my mom was talking with her kind of you know privately alone in the at the church in the basement uh, where they did Sunday school and stuff at but my mom and her were having a conversation and I was kind of being nosy and I overheard her talking to my mom about you know praying for someone for her and for her for her children and me being nosy I kind of just stepped into the conversation and I remember saying this this is a very true story yes it is I said if no one marries you I will marry you one day. And I said that and I kept walking.
1: Part of me leaving the island was because I needed stability. And I, not only me, but my children also needed that stability. Therefore, I knew that I needed to stop dating and, and just changing the way I was living life and to be a role model for my children. So once I became a Christian, and now Celia's in my life, being this person to me, this spiritual mother, I shared with her my concern that I no longer wanted to date, that I no longer wanted to expose my children to other men, but that I actually wanted to pray for my husband, not a person that I'm gonna date but for me to begin dating my husband. So she did help me pray concerning that.
0: So now this is where things get interesting, because (laughs) I'm I'm fully aware now that she is praying for her husband. My mom is helping her to pray, and we're all in this together. So now I'm even praying for her husband, (laughs) not knowing that, I'm praying for me I guess but during that time you know I'm seeking God too and I remember I don't know if it was inspiration from her but I also too started to pray you know God I wanted something serious I was not the person that was dating around I mean I'm young I'm 17 years old at the time but I just felt you know as I was seeking God and trying to be serious with the Lord I began to pray for for my wife too and so now we're praying for her husband, we're praying for my for my wife. And during that time, during the course of that praying, uh, I started to feel really, you know, attracted to her, her person. And so now my feelings are involved in that way. And so it was just something that I began to pray for. During
1: my journey, praying for my husband, I had asked God for two specific things, and those were for him to help me see and feel a certain type of way when I meet my husband. The interesting thing was that I started feeling a certain type of way about Ezekiel, and I started seeing him the way that I had asked God to help me see and feel towards my husband as as this sunk in to me it really didn't make any sense that um the picture that i had of what stability was and the reality of ezekiel back then he was 17 he was still going to high school i was 25 and I was already I already had a relationship a serious relationship I had children I was already a professional so it didn't match but the more I prayed my feelings and the way I saw him just increased
0: so the more that I'm praying uh, how I'm feeling towards her is only uh, increasing as well and so eventually my feelings for her and her feelings for me are communicated but we don't start any relationship uh, in that way what ends up happening is we begin to to pray and to seek God to see if if this in fact is what he has for for us and for our future and so for about a year, uh, myself and, and Tanya, we are praying that if this is God's will, then for it to happen.
1: After one year of us praying for, for this relationship, he then asked me when he was now 18, if I wanted to be his girlfriend. But we both knew that it was gonna lead to marriage.
0: And so after that uh, 16 months later uh, August 18th, 2002 uh, we have a wedding but a special wedding yes very it, it was a a double wedding together with uh, Michael and my sister Sarai and from that day on it really created a special unique covenant relationship together with them
1: yes and now we are currently 16 years married I remember when my brother
3: Ezekiel met Tanya back in our church in Brooklyn. She was this beautiful woman, hardworking, raising two children on her own. And at the time, I was in a relationship with Michael who had asked me to marry him and I had said yes. And I remember our focus was just saving no date set. Ezekiel and Tanya's relationship began growing and blossoming, and this was the person for him. So the man of integrity he is, thinking about her son, Daniel, he was just a kid at that time. He asked Daniel, would would it be okay for me to marry your mother? And Daniel said, yes, of course. And he prepared, and he asked Tanya, would you, would you marry me? And she said yes. It was just something about it. now Michael and I are engaged, Ezekiel and Tanya are engaged. And I remember my mother saying, hey, how about a double wedding? It was just an idea, just a thought, and I just, you know, let it go. Didn't think much about it. But I do remember the day Ezekiel came to my room where we lived and, and he told me, I really want us to marry together. I want us to have a double wedding. I couldn't understand why would he want, want this, what, want this to be done together. And I remember he was in, in tears and he he took my hand. And I remember we prayed. And there was just something about that moment that I knew I had to say yes. We had to marry together. This was something that was going to be a forever moment between us. and It's led us till now.
0: So of course what ends up happening now that we're married. Naturally, myself, uh, Michael, and Sarai, we are kicked out of the youth ministry because we are we are adults now. We're no longer um, these teenagers. And so as we transition out of the youth ministry, we all get try to get plugged into other areas of the church, which we end up doing. Uh, but then our children, Daniel and Tanya, they are preteens now, and they in turn end up being part of the youth ministry that we came out of. And so their journey of discovering who they are and learning what God has for them begins in the same youth ministry. But what ends up happening is the youth pastor at the time is dealing with personal uh, issues. And as a result of dealing with those issues, it doesn't allow her to be as as present as she wanted to be with the youth ministry. And so now we're parents looking in at our children involved in the youth ministry, and the pastor is unable to be there. And so that is a great concern to us because of our children. And us knowing, myself knowing, how important the youth ministry was to my spiritual growth we decide that, you know, we wanted to be there for these young people in whatever way we could. So whether that was, you know, attending new service, to just be there to help supervise, whether that was to help take them on weekend outings to visit other churches and other mm-hmm. events, you know, we let our pastor know that we would be there for them.
1: I personally shared the sentiments my husband shared concerning the young people. Uh, But to add to that uh, was the fact that my children's father back in Puerto Rico had been murdered. So I knew my children were having this special spiritual need. And, And of course, when you see the other teenagers, when you see the other children, you feel like they too have their own experience and their own needs. And that, that passion grew within me to help and be there for them, uh, not necessarily replacing their parents, but as a spiritual figure, figure that could help them and guide them through whatever situation they were going through.
4: As a child, I remember many people telling my mother that I would be a big blessing and that God was going to use me at a very young age. Transitioning from Puerto Rico to New York City. That was a big challenge. I didn't know English I didn't know how to read I didn't know how to write and it was just a lot of limitations in front of me and somehow God was still gonna use me As a child, I was given my first opportunity to speak in the children's ministry And I was nervous and I was afraid and my mom I used to ask her to draw these little pictures on a piece of paper So I could remember what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it Uh, nevertheless, I did pretty good and someone saw me and they invited me to their church and to preach in their children's service. And God just started doing amazing things at a very young age. You see, I learned that even though I had all these limitations, I knew that God could still use me. And that's when I grew a sense of confidence in knowing that God's will in my life was to start at a very young age. As I got older to my teenage years, I joined the youth ministry, and uh, again, I see God using me at a very young age. He even put me in a place of leadership at the age of 14. Um, it was then when I was very actively involved, and, and, and I didn't understand why, because there were people that were like 16, 17, 18, and they had to listen to something that I'm telling them, you know? So it was kind of kind of crazy. Uh, eventually, my, my parents got involved because I was involved and my sister was involved, and uh they became youth pastors and they grew a a big love for the youth uh we did everything together i'm talking about we went to outings we went to trips uh, we went to just walk in in the streets of manhattan just to hang out Uh, i mean church was our lives you know and we spent most of our time uh in church traveling to other churches to fellowship and uh the the most impactful moments that i could remember We're in those two-hour waits in the cold in the winter, you know, waiting for a bus or waiting for a train. But it was in those moments that we became family. We became so close to each other. This youth ministry became probably the most recognized youth ministry in Brooklyn, New York. I mean, we would throw services and people from all over the place will come just to, to join us in fellowship with our services. And, you know, the crazy thing is we've done events that we even had to send buses back home because there was not enough room inside the little storefront church that we had. And um, those moments, I really I, I will never forget them because it's the moments that made us who we are now. And, you know, honestly, I just I'm just so grateful for the youth ministry and for God allowing us to be a, such around such amazing group of people. I'm really blessed to have an opportunity to have led the youth and to have that responsibility given to me by God.
0: So we began working with these young people for about uh, a year and a half yes. and during that time naturally and organically we we truly develop a, a special love and care and concern for them and it changes from just being you know some kind of youth leader and these are kids inside the group to us really feeling like many of those kids were our our family and so we developed special amazing relationships with these with these young people and then in September 2006 our pastor uh, Anoints us as the youth pastors over over the ministry. Yes.
1: When we started helping the young people, there were about ten, if anything. And by the time we became youth pastors, the number had increased significantly. Not only with the young people within our church, but also uh, outside our church, we had developed other relationships with other youth pastors, youth leaders, and and the young people from many other churches.
0: So as all of this is taking place and relationships are going well with the young people and our relationships with other youth ministries and youth leaders, uh, what is very true is that at no point while all of this was taking place did we ever talk about or I would even say not one time did I ever think about doing this with the intention to become a youth pastor definitely you know we we loved our children and we saw the need within the youth ministry of the church and out of that need we became present but truly God was doing something with us that we had no idea Um, what he was planning.
1: On March 28, 2008, we were getting ready to have this late-night youth service, and we were expecting several other churches to join us. And as we prepared, my husband, Daniel our son who was then the youth president and myself we came together to pray that God will move in a very special way that night
0: After we prayed together uh, I told him that I was gonna go to the altar to pray by myself And so I went to the altar and I kneeled down and I began to pray, you know Pray that everyone will get there safe and that the service would be you know, impactful and touch these young people's lives, all these, you know, young people that were going to be coming to join us. And so as I began to pray, I had a vision. And in the vision, I remember my eyes opening up again. And I remember being in a stadium-like building. And the only way for me to describe kind of what I saw was kinda of like being in Madison Square Garden and I was at the top in the bad seating, the nosebleed. And being there, I remember I was standing up and there are people all around me. And in the vision, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where am I, what's going on? And I remember being able to look down and as I'm looking down towards the, obviously the center of the stadium, um, I then realized that there is some kind of music and. People singing, and as the vision continues, I then realize that it is worship. It is worship that's taking place. And so everyone around me is worshiping, and everyone on stage is worshiping. And so then in my mind, okay, I'm at a concert, maybe a Christian concert or something like that. And then God reveals to me that this is not a concert, that this is a church. This is a church service and then in the vision i come to the understanding that this church is a church that god is calling me to build and i remember at that moment um, my heart racing dropping and being overwhelmed with a flood of emotions and Those emotions weren't, yes, (laughs) what I always wanted, (laughs) what I always dreamed of. Not at all. As I said, you know, ministry was, you know, being in ministry, uh, not even becoming youth pastors was ever something that we prayed that we wanted. And now I'm seeing this vision that God is calling us to pastor and build a church like this. And it truly didn't make sense what anything I understood I didn't know church on this scale you know we we started with our children and these young people you know maybe less than 10 and yeah. and maybe there's 40 of them now yeah, and yes. it's awesome we're probably expecting tonight's service you know to be 80 but now I'm seeing a stadium full of thousands yeah. of people and God telling me that this is a church that he's calling us to build immediately I said no like God you got the wrong guy like <laughs> like like Me, you know, um, naturally, too, I'm introverted in many ways, even though that might sound odd, me saying that. But I wasn't ever a person that liked spotlight, cameras, attention. I didn't like to speak in crowds either. And this was the picture that God was showing me. And I remember like trying to tell God, God, I think you made a mistake. And I remember telling this to myself. God that is perfect for Joyce Meyer that stage is perfect for T.D. Jakes and then God kind of like answering my doubts back said do you know what's the difference between you and them and I'm like yeah there's a big difference between me and those people (laughs) yeah I know the big difference and God kind of speaks to me and says the only difference between you and them at this point is that when i showed them a vision very similar they said yes and it was at that moment that i said yes to god and i remember just crying and saying god i don't know how you know i I can't even say that i wanted it but where i was at in my christian walk and my journey i knew that saying yes to god was what i needed to do and so before i got up from that altar from praying I said yes to the vision that I saw. So when my husband
1: shared with me uh, about the vision that God had shown him on that night, I was very shocked because at no moment my husband and I had ever thought or discussed about being pastors, and let alone on that scale.
0: And so what we began to do, we, we started to pray about it and I knew that I wasn't that we weren't gonna go to our pastor and be like hey God showed us this amazing vision and we're gonna be pastors and so what we decided was we were gonna pray about this and if this really was God's purpose for us that he was gonna reveal it to our pastor
1: less than two months later after the Lord showed my husband the vision Our church was celebrating their anniversary and um, we had a guest speaker and this is now our friend Edgar J. Cruz and at the end of the service he asked my husband and I to come forth to go to the front where he was and then he asked all of our young people which we pastored to come to the front and make a circle around us. And then he gave us a word, or rather, he gave them a word. And he said to them, um, the Lord says to cherish your pastors, your youth pastors, because he will be taking them out
0: very, very soon. And then about a week later after that, our pastor uh, communicated with us that he wanted us to go to his home because he wanted to speak to us. Yes. And I remember being extremely nervous and so we arranged to meet with him. And so we got there and so we sat down, small talk first, and then after that he had a question for us and he said, what did we feel uh, God wanted to do with us? And I remember being, I was terrified inside. I'm like, oh my God. How do I tell this man that I had this vision? And so uh, all I said was, well, I see ourselves, you know, working with the young people, continuing to serve. And he then told us, he said, I see God calling you guys out and to do something else. And then he said, he sees God either using us to do evangelistic work or to be pastors. And that he wanted to us to know that. We had his blessing to do that. Yes.
1: So something interesting. Um, before God has spoken to my husband concerning the vision. Now, in the beginning of March, I was planning to travel to Puerto Rico to see my parents and my family, and my my cousin, uh, Jennifer, she learned about it and she wanted to come with me. So we planned to go together. And and as we were getting ready, I was gonna call this, you know, the car service that I used to, you know, use. And she was like, no, I don't like them. I have my own car service. So, so anyway, she ended up calling them. And as we were getting in the car, uh, she tells the, the driver, um, can you please put the radio up something i personally wouldn't do and as that happened the person on the radio goes so if you are call number eight you are gonna be the winner of disney tickets and i was like oh my god you know i never win anything so let me call i really didn't expect anything of it so when i called to my surprise the person on the other line was like, Congratulations, you won the Disney ticket. So that was amazing to me.
0: So these tickets were everything to us. It was a long year working with the young people. Yes. Uh, we received the vision, which was a roller coaster of emotions. And so we had planned at the end of July to go on vacation. We knew that we needed some time alone and uh, just relax, get a break from everything. And so I remember we landed in Orlando. It was a nighttime flight. And I remember uh, walking walking down the airplane as we were getting ready to exit. And I remember the moment that my foot stepped off the airplane Onto the jetway which connects to the airport The minute my foot stepped onto the jetway God showed me that the vision Was here in Florida Yes. And I remember That feeling of like Wait a minute this is (laughs) supposed to be the vacation where We're away from everything We're away from church uh, Just time for us And I was just overwhelmed with knowing for sure that the vision that he showed us Mm -hmm. was not back home, but it was here.
1: A month before us traveling for our vacation, I was able to reconnect with my first spiritual mother, Yvette, uh, which at that moment she um, was living in Florida. And I shared with her that I was going to travel to go to the parks and we agreed in this conversation that we were going to um, spend some time together so we can catch up. Well, the time came where we came to Florida and she picked us up and we went to her home and we started this conversation. And, and I remember us asking her, well, are you, at what church are you going to? And it was there that she shared with us that she was not actively attending any church because she was not able to find a church that she could call home.
0: So I didn't share anything with my wife about um, knowing that Division I was here in Florida, and so um, Yvette does pick us up from the airport, and we finally get to her home, and we're catching up, and we're talking, and. When Yvette expressed how, since her relocation from New York to Florida, uh, her and her family were unable to find a church that felt like home, when she said that, God spoke to me and he said, and this is why I'm bringing you here uh, for people like Yvette. It was about three days that passed by and I just couldn't, I just couldn't hold it anymore and I knew I how to speak to my wife and so I remember it was the night, and we we're getting ready for bed, and we're in Yvette's home. And I said, honey, I need to talk to you. I need to share something with you. And I remember we were standing, and I uh, held her by the hands, and I said, love, God show me that the vision is, is here in Florida. And I just remember breaking down, crying, and it was messy. <laughs> and I said, this is the place. The vision is here.
1: So I started to cry, not because I was surprised. Uh, In the beginning of June, on my way to work one day, I remember I was reading the Word of God and, and then all of a sudden I felt His voice speak to me and telling me the vision is in Florida. And I remember me closing the Bible and saying in Florida, I'm not going anywhere. And, and I heard him louder. The vision is in Florida. So I remember crying at that moment. And then um, later I reached out to my daughter because I trusted that she will help me pray um, concerning this information that I just heard. And then for my husband, for him to be able to hear God telling him the same thing, that the vision was actually gonna be in Florida.
0: So now she's crying, I'm crying. And, and then she tells me, she said, honey, I've been praying for months that you would hear when God told you that the vision was in Florida. And so now we're both crying together even more and I remember we're together <laughs> and she's crying on me and she's like so do we just send for our for stuff, our stuff. <laughs> like, like, like lady are you crazy let's like, just send for our stuff now um, and so I'm like no we can't just send for our stuff we our kids at home and you know we have to go back home obviously but um, but then we know we know yeah. that that. This is the place that God has the vision for us. And then um, I realized, like, oh my God, for us to come over here, we have to say goodbye to everyone over there. And so we decided that the first people we needed to speak to were Sarai and Michael.
1: Michael and Sarai happened to be here on vacation. So we invited them over for dinner to let them know that the vision was not back home.
0: And I remember being really scared to to tell them, how do I tell now my sister, how do I tell Michael that the vision that we talked about is not back home and that we would have to be leaving them.
3: So we were on vacation in Florida Michael and I and at that same time Ezekiel and Tanya were on vacation in Florida and during that time he had asked us if we would go out to dinner. So Michael and I joined Tanya and Ezekiel for dinner and he wanted to share something with us and I knew that it was it was important and while at dinner he began to share with us something that God had showed him about Florida, and that was a vision of thousands of people coming together and he was leaving Brooklyn where where we live, where we were spending our lives, where we were engaged in ministry. and I knew that this was from God and I told them, the day that you and Tanya leave, we will go, we will go with you. I knew that this was a calling and we had to be a part of it.
1: So we began planning and thought that a year would be a good time for us to transition from New York to Florida. But the hardest part of this transition for us will be to break down the news to our youth that we were leaving them behind.
0: So we anticipated that a year would be enough to make the transition, but God's plan was that we would get here sooner. And six months later, February 9th, 2009, we were saying goodbye to our family and those young people.
1: We quit our jobs, we left all of our possessions behind, and here we were together with our son, starting our new journey.
4: After having such great success in the youth ministry, then God would ask us to leave. You see, we invested so much time and energy into this youth group. I mean, they were probably the most well-known youth group in Brooklyn, New York City. Honestly, like, if we would have started a church, we probably could have started it in the hundreds. But God would call us to leave the hundreds to start with five people in the
2: living room. Everything was kind of a whirlwind as we were preparing to, to finally move over to Florida to begin the church. Um, you know, we had planned to come down at a certain point, and uh, that time frame changed to much closer than we thought. And so, you know, we had a ministry in New York. We had, you know these uh, this youth ministry that we're working with and we were trying to make sure we didn't just leave those young people hanging high and dry so you know as our, the time approached we were having these conferences trying to impart as much wisdom and you know the Word of God on them as we could you know until we left and there was one particular conference that we were having it was a it was a Saturday I, I believe it was a Saturday December 14 2008 and, you know, we had the conference. It was a, it was a, a powerful uh, message in that conference. And as the conference drew to a close, you know, we began to minister. And, um, you know, people from the outside weren't part of the, our core group. They, you know, the, the youth ministry, they, they went, you know, on their way. And we were kind of left alone there with our youth ministry. And, um, you know, it was kind of this, like, goodbye moment where we all got together. It was very emotional. Now, I'm not an emotional guy, but that day I cried my heart out like I hadn't cried in years. You know, we raised these kids in God, and this was the moment where we had to let them go. So the five of us begin
0: this new journey together. We start reading the Bible together, we start discussing principles, values. Uh, we wanted to be sure that we all believed the same thing before we opened up a church. And so, six months later, on August 16, 2009, we opened up with our first church service as the Dwelling Place Church. We had a vision, and we knew we needed to write it down, so in trying to capture the picture of what God showed me, I created this elaborate vision statement to build a sanctuary where thousands can meet God through Jesus Christ, encounter His love and restoration, building them up so they too could reach the world around them. The issue with that statement is that it focused on what was to come and it didn't allow us to see what God was doing right in front of us. But the beautiful thing about God is that He always allows us to rewrite and retell our vision. Therefore, this is our revision.
5: And so you want to hear it? You want to hear it? It used to be to build a sanctuary where thousands can meet God through Jesus Christ and count his love and restoration building them up so they too can reach the world the world and others around them. Yes, yes, I know, but you ain't going to remember that. You ain't going to remember that. But this one is all about that. And so, I want you to know that TDP we exist to love people how God loves people see this vision works whether there's a thousand people there because you know what when a thousand people finally walk into the dwelling place church and I know it's going to happen I believe it's going to happen I know it I know it I I can see it I believe it I declare it and when those thousands are there you know what we're going to do we're going to love them we're going to love them how God loves them but check this out Even if it's not thousands. What if it's only a hundred? What if it's 125? We can still look at every single person and still love them the same way. How God loves them.